Good morning. You know, it doesn't take very much to take the good out of a morning, does it? <laughs> Sometimes it's just a telephone call. Like at our house, uh, the telephone calls that have come to us that have just taken the good out of the day. And I'm sure our house is not much different than your house. But I can tell you, we've had some calls that have just taken my breath away. Like the one I, I talked about last time I was here, a call we got from the International Mission Board that Jason and his missionary teammate, Micah, were on the run from communist uh, authorities, military in Vietnam, and that they were hoping to let us know how, it, you know, how that turned out, and they get back to us, and so for the next four days, we're wondering where's our boy and how is he, and uh, I told you that last time, but there's, a, there's another phone call we got, uh, just uh, heartbreaking kinds of things, like I hear in the labor and delivery room a nurse screaming and uh, saying, get him out, get him out, and it's our little grandson coming 10 weeks early, and I'm listening to all this, Marsha and I both listening to this on the phone, and our stomachs and our throat, jumping in the car to drive to Dallas as quickly as we could from northwest Arkansas. I mean, it's not always the big thing. Sometimes it's the little phone calls. They seem little. Like they, the lady who said, hello, this is Backwoods Trash. We are just phoning to inform you we'll no longer collect from your house. And I'm thinking, if you won't collect from the backwoods, how much farther back in the woods do we need to be? We're in the backwoods, and the backwoods trash won't even come to our house anymore. We had to find a back of beyond trash company to come <laughs> find us and take care of that trash. But immediately your mind goes into gear. What am we going to do with the trash? What about the garbage, compost heap? And all this awful stuff you start having to think about when you live way out in the woods and, and won't get any more pickup. So it's not always the big things, but there's a lot of little things. There's a lot of little aggravations in life, a lot of disappointments, a lot of times where you, you get the good morning knocked out of you before the day really gets a good start. One other phone call, actually it was, a, it was a friend who ran up to us and said, Jason's been in an accident. I'm going to tell you all his stories before <laughs> I'm, I'm through. Jason's been in an accident. And then she said, it's bad, but he can talk. <laughs> you don't even know what you're going to look at when you get, a, when you get somebody telling you that. And people will say to you, when you have the, the world crash in, they'll, they'll say, well, nothing prepares you for something like that. That's, that's what the world says. That's not what we say. We say we're here because God is preparing us for things like that. Every Sunday, we pick up His Word, and we look into it, and God speaks to us, and He pumps into us truth. And then we walk away out into that world where it's trying real hard to snatch the good out of a day, but he's already done so many good things in our lives, we just walk through with the promises of God. And that's what I want us to look at today. So I'm asking you to take the Word of God, and we'll ask the Spirit of God to make the Son of God real to us so that we can walk as the people of God in this world in the week to come. So if you look in 2 Mississippians chapter 4, Well, that's what it says in my Bible, 2 Mississippians. In yours, it may say 2 Corinthians. 
It says in, in that first verse, it says, to the church of God in Hernando, gathered with all his holy people throughout Mississippi. You check that out later. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there is encouragement. See, it's not, thank you for the Barnabas word to me, Mr. Encourager, but it's, I'm, I'm encouraged. I, I get down in the dumps faster than anybody, so I need the word of God. I need his word. It is important to me to have his promises in my heart to be prepared because in the flesh, I'm, I'm the guy that can see the, the glass half empty real quick. So I need God's word to fill up that cup. And chapter 4, at verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we, through God's mercy, we have this ministry, look here, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. We don't cave in when the phone call comes. Uh, we, we don't panic when message comes that your son's been in an accident. Don't panic. Well, for a minute I did there when that baby came 10 weeks early. But as we drove along, the peace of God just settled in my heart. and We got there, and uh, he's an aggravation today. <laughs> but we don't lose heart, even when they aggravate us. And then look how the chapter ends. That's how it begins, don't lose heart. Then look down at verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. You see it again? Therefore, we don't lose heart. He starts with we don't lose heart. He ends the chapter with we don't lose heart. But I'm, I'm thinking, why don't you lose heart, Paul? If any Christian at any time had a reason to lose heart, it's that beaten up, chased around, maligned little bit of a preacher man out of Jerusalem. And he says, I don't lose heart. Why don't you? Why don't you? Well, in between that first verse and there in verse 16, there's something we need to get hold of today and really seal it to our mind and our memory. And it's right here in verse 7, and I want to read down through verse 10. And I'd like you to mark that in your, in your Bible this morning. Somebody pointed out that we don't have notes. You don't have notes in your bulletin, and they were a little panic-stricken, I think, that you don't have notes. But go ahead and take a pen and there, if there's still a blank place in your Bible, you know, one of those pages after the maps or before the Holy Bible, whatever version you've got, you got a blank page front or back, you might want to jot in a couple of things I think will be really important. And one of them is this passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. And this is what it says. But we have this treasure... In jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Go ahead and read 11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed 
in our mortal body. That's a passage you need to nail down. In fact, the whole of that fourth chapter in chapter 5, chapter 4 and 5, 2 Corinthians, is a place where the people of God need to camp out right now. God getting you ready for whatever you're going to face down the road. It's, it's right in there, the heart of this gospel encouragement. Because we have a treasure. We have a treasure. That treasure is in us. That treasure is identified in Scripture. And if you have any question about what the treasure is, you look up at the verse right above in verse 6 there. For God, who said, light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. What's the treasure? It's the glory of God. It's the light He turned on in our life. It's a life He gave us in the face of Jesus Christ. We see in Jesus all we need, everything we need in the treasure of Jesus Christ. Here's what I think every believer ought to write down this morning somewhere in your Bible. Jesus in me, you can write that down, Jesus in me is all I need to face any circumstance. Jesus in me is all I need to face any circumstance. If you can't spell circumstance right, anything. That'll cover it too. Face anything. He's a treasure. This treasure of Christ. The God who said light light shine out of darkness. That is, God stepped out into darkness. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be stars in the sky, and he threw them into space. He said, let there be planets, and he placed them in their orbits. That same God, that all-powerful God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God moved into the life of the believer as a treasure of Jesus Christ in you. The riches of his glory in every believer. That's a treasure. No one can take that from you. You know, you lay up treasure on earth, Jesus said, and what happens? Rust and moth, they corrupt it, and thieves break in and steal. So you do not have a treasure in the bank. You don't have a treasure out on your piece of property. You don't have a possession that is not deteriorating, that is not decaying, that cannot be taken away by a a dip in the stock market or a uh, head-on with a uh, drunk driver who's coming your way. I mean, all of that in this world, and yet you do have a treasure. Cannot be touched by anyone, not the devil himself, not anybody, not anything, can take the treasure of the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. What a treasure! Living in us, dwelling in us. I heard about this guy named Forrest Finn. Have you heard about Forrest Finn? 87-year-old guy, lives out west. He wrote a book, and in that book he placed a poem, and in that poem he gave clues to discovering a treasure that he hid somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. He said in that treasure there are gold and silver coins. He was an art collector, an antiquities collector. and he, he put ancient coins in there. He's got gold. He's got silver. He's got jewels in there. And he hid it. And it's in the Rocky Mountains somewhere. And there's clues in this book that he wrote. 
and he wrote a poem that gives directions. I want to tell you that there have been over 350,000, 350,000 people engaged in trying to find his treasure. He's still alive, and he's still telling people to go look for it. Of all those people gone looking for it, four people never came back. Four people died. In the, one of them is a Baptist preacher. He died. Now his wife's looking for that treasure. That's true. All the, everything I said is absolutely true. Looking for that treasure. Looking for something in this world. Looking for something that uh, can set their eyes on. Well, I want you to look around this room because there's treasure in this room. There's treasure in every one of you who's trusted in Jesus Christ. And it's worth far more than anything Forrest Finn could put in a box and hide in the Rocky Mountains. We have this treasure. Treasure Him. Treasure Jesus. When we gather together and we sing these songs, and thank you, Travis, for leading us in worship, you begin after a week out there in the world with all that happened to you, you begin again to treasure Jesus. You sing His songs. You recognize the power of His blood. You sing out the wonder of His forgiveness. To have Jesus living in us. Jesus. His courage in us. Jesus. His compassion. His compassion, His love, now indwelling us. Jesus, His character, His purity, indwelling us. The joy of Jesus. Right there in that treasure chest, Jesus. His joy, His peace, His patience, His gentleness, His kindness, perseverance, I mean, you, we, all of us in this room, we can make lists all through the day and gather back tonight for that sing and just stand up and read the list of the treasure that is Jesus in our lives. But look here. What does the Scripture say? We have this treasure, but this treasure, and that initial word, but this treasure, is in jars, jars of clay. Usually you have treasure, you want to put it in something fancy. There were other kind of containers around in Corinth in that day. They had gold boxes. They found artifacts in gold boxes. They have found in some of the temples some relics that are in silver boxes. They've even found in Corinth these beautifully fashioned wooden boxes, highly polished and beautiful. They've been found and uncovered by archaeologists. But Paul says it's not like that. You're not a gold container. You're not a silver container. You're not even a nice-looking wooden container. You're a jar of clay. You're a dirt jar. You're made of the most elementary thing, this fragile. That's why he uses the word clay jar. It's fragile. It's, it's not built for eternity. It, it's easily broken. Easily damaged, this jar of clay. I think sometimes there are some preachers out here in the world that want to convince us that we are, we are fancy boxes, <laughs> that we deserve good health, and we deserve plenty of wealth, 
and we deserve an easy path. And that's fine preaching. It can draw a crowd. But what happens, somebody who's sat through that kind of preaching, you go out in the world, and it's not that way in the world. And a Christian gets knocked down and slammed, and you think, well, there's something wrong with God. Or there's something wrong with me. Why is this happening to me? I'll tell you why it's happening to you, because you're a jar of clay. And the Bible never smooths over that or covers that up. Every one of us are subject to the wear and tear and trials and difficulties this world has. Jars of clay. Look around. Look, just look at us. How ordinary a group of people could be gathered together in North Mississippi. Ordinary folk. Jars of clay. I'm looking out and there's some old jars here. There's some young jars. There's some small jars and there's large jars. We're all just jars of clay. I mean, you can fancy up that jar if you want to. You can, you can paint a cross on it. Or you might put a fish on it. You might dress it up with a jewel or two. But it's still just a jar. We're all just clay jars. There isn't one better here than another. But here's the extraordinary truth. Within that jar, there's treasure. Ordinary, ordinary people. Walk down the street, you go to Walmart. You walk around there and you got a treasure. And that's the indwelling Christ. That changes everything. That changes the jar. Not, not the jar so much, but changes the meaning of the existence of the jar. That it could contain the mighty God of heaven has chosen to indwell the hearts of his people. Paul shouted out later, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. There was nothing special about that jar of clay called Paul that also doesn't apply for every single one of us in this place. We are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not us. Christ lives in us. That's the glory of the people of God gathering together. All these clay jars, but all this treasure being gathered in one place to encourage one another, to bless one another, to lift up one another, to praise our God, to lift up the name of the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. All that mystery. It was kept hidden for ages and generations, but now has been disclosed to God's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this ministry, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Did you ever hear the story about the, the kid who was in, along the shores of the Dead Sea? As an Arab young, young guy. This happened in 1947. I remember it because that's the year I was born. It was all over the news then, that year. This kid threw a rock into a cave up on the shores of the Dead Sea, and he heard something break. Sounded like a, a clay jar breaking. And so he, he peered into this cave, and he looked in it, and there were all these clay jars lined up in that cave. And he reached down to the one that was broken, and he pulled out a scroll, wound up scroll, 
and he took it down to Jerusalem and brought it to an antiquities dealer. And that was the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the most ancient copies of some of the books of the Old Testament, including the book of Isaiah. And it was absolutely priceless, absolutely priceless. It was in that brokenness of that clay pot that the glory of that discovery was made. It was when it was broken that it yielded its treasure. And I know some of you have gone through life and you have felt at times absolutely broken. You've experienced trials to such degree and such heaviness and such weightiness that uh, when I talk about the backwoods trash not coming to our house, you're just shaking your head. What a goofus. If only you knew what I've been through. One preacher told me, when you stand up to speak before a group of people, wherever they are, there's pain in every pew. There's pain in every pew. But can I just tell you that from the Word of God that in your brokenness, in your brokenness is where Jesus reveals himself. And his Word is just made manifest. In fact, that's what the Bible is saying down here. Look down with me like in... Uh, Verse 10, we carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Look here. So the life of Jesus also be revealed in our body. And, and just to make sure you didn't miss the point, look at verse 11. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So where does that revealing take place? Uh, when, when is it that people notice, hey, that's different. She's acting differently than I, than I would have. Or he's faced that trial a whole lot differently than I would. When, it is in that, isn't it? It's in, the, it's in the toughness of life that God's people reveal and show, this is what's different. I've got a treasure. And I may be broken, but I want you to see what God can do with some broken piece of pottery like me. What God can do with someone like you. Uh, he's talking about the hard knocks of life. Look, look with me right here in this passage. I, I love these verses 8 and 9. We are hard pressed on every side. Hard pressed on every side. That's a, that's a picture from the grape. When they press the grapes, you know, they start bringing down the pressure so that the grapes would release the juice. So it's that kind of pressure. Or when they ground the wheat, that's a picture. It's the same word in Greek. It comes from the word flipsis, which means pressure. So there's pressure. Have you ever had any pressure in your life? Have you had some pressure? Scripture says, look here. Perplexed. You ever been perplexed? Do things happen to you and you just you can't figure out what to do? Now, I got... So perplexed when that situation with Jason, we ran to a hospital in a foreign country in a, at a hospital where we were trying to find somebody to speak English to help us find our boy. And we looked down the hall and here comes a doctor running at us and he's waving some x-ray and he says, his back is broken. His back is broken. And I'll tell you a moment of overwhelming, what do we do now? 
Have you ever had a what do we do now kind of experience? You, you notice about this listing here in 8 and 9, every one of them just a little bit tougher, a little bit harder. Then he says, persecuted. Persecuted. Uh, chased from one place to another. Threatened. In jail. Persecuted. Uh, you know, in Hernando, Mississippi, we don't face the same kind of persecutions that I just had, was on a mission trip and was with a group of people who had been had their church burned down, who've been chased out of the community because they confessed Christ. I mean, that's not 2,000 years ago. That's last year. But the promises as true to the people in the Amazon River Valley as it is for the people in Hernando, Mississippi, that in persecution, we're not forgotten. Then, then look, he says, struck down. That's literally knocked out. Paul and Lystra, in the book of Acts, he goes to a place called Lystra. They take up rocks and they just throw them until the man is crushed on the ground. He, he's knocked out. But he's not finished up. You go back and read that, and after the crowd disperses, he stands up, and he comes back for more. So what difference does it make if you have a treasure in you when you go through things like this, when you go through just unbearable pressure, and you go through uh, confusion, and, and, and People at the office are making fun of you for your faith, or you're in school and people laugh at you because you were in church on Sunday, and, uh, and, and you've been gut-kicked by a divorce in your family or your own divorce. And so having a treasure, does that make any difference? And, and what about this? How does it work? Look here. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? In order, here's the underlying purpose, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So you, you go back to this list in verse 9, and you're thinking, well, here's what ought to happen. You know, God come charging in with a, a horde of holy people and get me out of this thing. And to show some real power and strike all the bad guys down and uh, send a salvation helicopter to lift me out of this. Uh, that's not how he works. Look here. Look at the persecuted, but not abandoned. Not abandoned. I mean, you're going through the, you're going through the persecution, not abandoned. You're perplexed, but not in despair. You're hard-pressed, but not crushed. And so, you know, God's going to let you get really squeezed, but he's not going to let you get squashed. He's going to let you... Uh, I mean, get really your mind boggled, but he's not going to leave you there. Endure persecution, but he says, lo, I'm with you always. Here's what we've got in that treasure. Listen, we got the Father. We got God the Father. We know God the Father is for us. God is for us. If God be for us, if God be for us, nobody. We got God, God the Father. We've got God the Son. God the Son. Lo, I'm with you always. Emmanuel, 
God with us. God for us. God with us. God the Holy Spirit in us, in us, living in us. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to get you through every time you're squeezed, not to squash you. Every time you're confused, to get you back in your right mind and find a way out. God at work in us to give us all we need, not destroyed. We may be knocked down, but we will not get knocked out of God's plan and purpose for our lives. Can you see it? See that See that power? It's power, but it's not power like the world thinks. It's not maybe what you're expecting, but it's saying to us in this scripture, that treasure is so real and so powerful that in every circumstance, God is working, not in ways you can see, not in ways you can understand, but he's working there to get you through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. It is our God who brings us through these things. Jason, he's something. <laughs> so we're, we're actually in Austria when this happens. It sounds exotic, but we only lived a couple hundred miles away from these mountains. So we, we went there. He went snowboarding. He came down a mountain, and he did not look where he was going. And what looked like a clear shot out in front of him was actually a drop of how far? About 18 feet. So he shot up in the air, and he tumbled back on his back, and he landed in a dry creek bed and broke his back. And it was really broken. That's what the doctor said. Look, it's broken, it's broken. That really helps parents when they're coming to see their kid. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what happened. I was perplexed, and I was under great pressure. What are we going to do with our kid? Way over here, we live in Prague, and our home is in the wonderful USA with doctors and good hospitals and people's names we can pronounce and all of that stuff. So Marcia stayed with Jay, and I took Andrew, who also on that same trip had broken his arm. So we had two broken boys, and I took Andrew back to Prague, and I was just, I came in the house, and I was as low as a Christian missionary can get. I slithered into that house, and I went to the kitchen table, and I neighbor had piled up our mail on the kitchen table. And I sat down there with my head in my hands. How in the world are we going to get out of this? How in the world? How in the world? Well, see, that's, what not, that's not where our, our hope is, our help is. Our, our help is really out of this world. It's out of this world. So I went through the mail. An unopened piece of mail said, life flight. Everything I'm telling you, I promise you, cross my heart and hope I die and go to heaven right now. <laughs> Life flight. I opened it up. International Mission Board announces a new service available to missionaries. Call this number if you have an emergency and we will provide life flight assistance. That's the first thing that happened. Second thing that happened is about six months before this accident, we met a couple, a Czech couple. Uh, her name was... Uh, See, oh, I I'm not going to bother to try to remember it in front of all of you, but they were a Czech couple. They had phoned us about six months before this accident, asking if they could bring their children over to practice English with our boys. And we said, sure, uh, Rodka and Stenyak. So we started being friends with this couple, uh, and they spoke perfect English. Where'd you learn? Louisville, Kentucky. 
What were you doing in Louisville? I was studying in the uh, University of Kentucky Medical School. What were you studying? Uh, I, I'm an orthopedic. Uh, and so all of this just passed through us real quickly. And then I thought, what am I going to do about Jason? Phone Stenyak. So I phoned Stenyak, and he turns out to be the leading spinal orthopedic surgeon in the Czech Republic. Stenyak says to me, Stenyak says, don't take him to America. I can do everything they can do in America. I can do it right here in Prague, and I'll come to the house. So we had the leading orthopedic surgeon in Central Europe making house calls. I phoned the number then to get the number to call for help, this life flight, to get him from uh, Austria back to the Czech Republic so Stenyak could begin tr- helping. So I called the number. And, uh, hello, this is so-and-so. And I said, where, well, where are you? Houston, Texas. And she says, where are you? I said, Prague, Czech Republic. She says to me, what district? I'm thinking, how can you in Houston even be concerned about what district I'm in? I said, Prague 3. And she said, I used to live in Prague 3. I said, you did? She said, yes, I'm Czech. Can you understand the presence of the grace of God when you're perplexed, when you're pressured, when you're just knocked down as a family. And then there's a lady in Houston, Texas, says, I'm Czech. I used to live in your neighborhood. What street are you on? She said, I know the hospital you need. You don't worry about another thing. I'll have it all arranged. And she did. And there was the plane that came in and it brought Jason. There was an ambulance there and it took him to Stenyak at the hospital. And Stenyak did the x-ray. And Stenyak took care of him for the next weeks and gave him injections and kept up with our care of Jason. And now look at that boy who broke his back. (laughs) But more than that, look at our God. Look at our God. How good he is. How amazing is his grace. How sweet the sound when we hear him at work. Maybe not like the parting of a sea or bread from heaven or water from a rock, but I didn't need those things then. I just needed to get my boy some help. And my God did it. My God did it. My God did it. We have this treasure. It's not reserved for missionaries or Apostle Paul or the elite. It's just plain old clay pots. Plain old clay pots. Look how this chapter ends up. Look at verse 17, 16. Therefore we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Outwardly we're wasting away. Amen? Come on. Are you over 65? <laughs> what are we doing? We're wasting away. But so are you that are eight or nine years old. You're wasting away too, you guys. <laughs> Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. What is sweeter than walking with Jesus for 45 years, 50 years, 60 years? Nothing sweeter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter it grows. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So outwardly wasting away, but inwardly, hallelujah, 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 inwardly. For our light and momentary troubles, that's what they are. Backwoods trash, light and momentary. Broken back, light and momentary. Bob, your mom has a brain tumor and she has weeks to live. I still want to tell you, light and momentary compared to the great weight of glory. The great weight of glory. And eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It is such a wonderful thing to be part of the body of Christ. Because on a day like this, when you, you've looked at the Word of God and it speaks to us of the hard knocks of life, what a great opportunity just to bring it to the altar. Just to bring it to the altar. My kids, I want to lift them up to you today, Lord, because I want them to know this treasure. My kids, a husband who needs to know about the treasure, and there's a praying wife at the altar. A kid who's praying for his parents. A church that's praying for its pastor on their knees, praying, Lord God, bless that godly man. You know, what better place to be where we can, uh, we can share? You know, you're not an isolated pot sitting out there on the, the corner. You're, you're part of the body of Christ. Yeah. You're part of the family of God. And to be able to share our burden, to lay them down at the altar, to pray for one another. I love church when it's church. Not, not spectator sport, but God's people just responding to God's word and praying for one another and embracing one another so that you're not a lone ranger Christian. You're a part of the family of God. So this morning, the altar is open. It's open to people who know I'm just a clay pot and I got some issues and problems and needs, and hurts, and wounds, and scratches. Actually, I'm just a crackpot. But God can help me. God can help me. God can get me through. But that's why we're here together, to get through together. So you come. As we sing together, you come. And let's just make this Sunday a Sunday of prayer. Going to sing tonight. Let's pray this morning. God's people pray. And if you can't make it to the altar, pray where you are. Let's pray for God to do something powerful, but subtle and sweet as he moves in our life.